It's good to see you guys this morning. Man, my, my day has already been made. I've been called young from the pulpit in public, and so I'm going to own that, and I'm going to wear that with pride for the rest of the day because nobody's called me that in a long time. You know, it's kind of like one of those things that's like we, we, it, we, we, we seem young because our kids are young and because they're still more on the way, which we're going to have to figure something out about that because that stuff has got to stop. But somehow, some way, we, so, I don't know what we got to do, but, but this can't keep going on any, long, any longer because, you know, I, yeah, yeah, we're done. We, we're, we're, we're done. But, man, I, I'm honored to be here with you guys. I, I, I think the world of your pastor, I'm thankful that he asked me to do this. It really is a privilege uh, like he said, man, he is a he is a dear dear friend and brother, and man, you guys got a good one here. Let me just tell you, and boy, y'all y'all are y'all are y'all are blessed, and I know he believes that that he is as well. But man, how how cool it's been just to to hear and to see, you know, just all that God has done in this place over the course of those nine years, and just the growth that you've had, and and the way that God has. You know, the, way, the incorporation of discipleship, as Lee was talking about, and just all the things that God has done. Man, what an what a unbelievable thing, and that's certainly something that should be celebrated. And so I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here to celebrate alongside of you guys in that thing. Um, but, uh, but as we begin this morning, let me, let me just pray for us real quick, and, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in. Father... We love you, we, we're, we're thankful for you and for your word that you preserved for us. God, I just pray that we would come this morning with, with open hearts, with soft hearts that are ready to receive the truth of your word that, that, that I, I will attempt to present this morning. I pray we would become more like you. I ask God that the heart of everybody in this room would be yes to whatever it is that you reveal to them today, even before they hear it. I pray that that would be the way that we would approach this morning. The answer is yes. No matter what it is, no matter what you reveal to me in my life, God, the answer is yes. I pray that would be the case today and that you would do things that only you can do in our midst. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so this morning what I want to do is, is I want to take some time to study three verses out of the book of 1 Thessalonians and and the reason that I want us to study these three verses out of the book of 1 Thessalonians is because of what I believe that God is trying to teach us about prayer in these verses. I, I don't have the time and, and I don't have the ability to lay out for you just how important prayer is. Whether we pray consistently or not, I imagine that most of us are at least intellectually aware of the importance of prayer. I mean, we're always quick to say, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship, right? And that's a good line, that's a great line. But what kind of relationship do you have with someone that you don't talk to, right? <laughs> if this whole thing is about a relationship, then I don't think that we can overstate the importance of prayer in the life of a Christian. The, the Bible teaches us to, to pray always and to pray without ceasing. And, and I love the quote I, I think Spurgeon is credited with saying. They say when he, was, when he was asked, what's more important, reading your Bible or praying? He replied, what's more important, inhaling or exhaling? <laughs> right? And that, and that kind of that sums it up. It truly is of the utmost importance in our lives, and I believe that there's a whole lot that we can learn about prayer from what God lays out for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now, let me take just a second to set the context of, of where we are in this book and in this, and in this chapter. So in Acts chapter 17, Paul, he goes to Thessalonica. This is where we get the history of the church at Thessalonica in Acts 17. And, I, and Paul comes through and he's sharing the, the gospel with these people at Thessalonica. And while he's there, there's a bunch of them that get saved and they see their, this radical transformation in their lives. But there's also this group of people that was none too pleased with all that was going on 
in Thessalonica, and they actually run Paul out of town, and he literally runs for his life. And so Paul, Paul's rolling with uh, Silas and Timothy uh, around this time as well. These guys are, are running together, and, and, and these guys, man, they are desperately wanting to get back to Thessalonica and check on these brothers and sisters that they've won to the Lord. But you know, Satan hinders them, it says, and, and they aren't all able to get back to the, Thess- to the people of Thessalonica. But ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, they get Timothy back there. And he's able to get back there and check on them. And Timothy, man, he, he brings back a great report. And that is actually what inspires the book of 1 Thessalonians to be written. Timothy brings back a great report. And Paul and Silas's inability to get back to Thessalonica is actually what inspires the writing of this book. It's an interesting thing. Satan hinders them so they can't get back, and God says, well, I'm going to write a inspire, use that to inspire a book to be written that people thousands of years will still be gleaning from, and you thought you had one over on us. That's how, that, that's, that's how God works, but that's what inspired the writing of the book of 1 Thessalonians. And what we see here in the verses that we're studying this morning is what we see is, is we see Paul expressing his prayer for the Thessalonians. It, it's a pretty cool thing. We're getting insight as to how the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian that ever lived, we're getting insight as to how this brother prayed. And here's what he says starting in verse 9 of chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 in verse 9, it says, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? He, sa- he says, we, because again, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are all credited for writing the book, though Paul was the primary writer. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before God, night and day, praying exceedingly, that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And so the first thing that I want, to, want you guys to see about this prayer is, is, number one, they prayed with thankfulness. They prayed with thankfulness. I'm glad those slides came out a little bigger than the other ones did. Because you, you, might, you might need your binoculars for the verses. So you might want to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and you'll be able to... You'll be able to track with me a little bit better if you're uh, vision impaired. The, they, they prayed with thankfulness. Okay, so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 9, we see Paul, he's trying to express thanks for the Thessalonians because of all the joy they've brought to him. You can imagine how incredible it must have been for these guys to be a part of this movement of God where they're seeing all these people come to faith. 1 Thessalonians 1 teaches us that their ch- the change that they witnessed in these guys was so radical that they literally came out of idol worship. And so it was that bad. So tra- Paul's trying to express his thanks to God for these new believers. And as he's transitioning into this prayer, what he's essentially saying in this verse is, I just can't thank God enough for you guys. And when a guy like Paul, when he, when he starts praying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we should probably start taking note. And, and what I want us to make sure that we're seeing is his thankfulness as he prays. His thankfulness. Because my concern is, is that in modern day Christianity, that we have gotten so far from anything that could be remotely recognized as a biblical prayer. And one of the reasons I think that's the case is because this thing of thankfulness is nowhere to be found in our prayer life. And listen, I'm not pulling some obscure passage out of the Bible to prop it up to try to say what I want to say. Thankfulness in prayer is all through the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Man, that, that's pretty heavy right there. We all say that we want God's will. I want God's will for my life. I don't know what that is, but I want God's will for my life. Well, he's telling you right here. The will of God is that in everything you give thanks. Let's start there. 
The good, the bad, the ugly, we give thanks when we win, we give thanks when we lose. That's God's will. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, it ups the ante and it says it like this. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so listen, not only are we to be thankful for all things, we're to give thanks always. Man, God's not playing around with this thing. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. God says, listen, make your requests, make your petitions, make those things known unto me. But in the midst of God telling us to make our requests known unto him, do you notice that he has a request of his own? God says, bring it all before me. I want to hear your request. But my request is, is that when you do it, you do it with thanksgiving. You see, when we're expressing our thankfulness to God and we're acknowledging our many countless blessings, it starts to put all those prayer requests right into perspective for just a second, doesn't it? it you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I have much to be thankful for at the moment. Well, if that's you, I do just want to remind you, do you realize again that the reason this letter was being written, that Paul is Paul's writing this letter because he's running for his life. <laughs> he was fleeing persecution as he wrote these words. Wouldn't it be natural to think, okay, God, I'm, I'm out here reaching people with the gospel for goodness sakes. I'm slugging it out in the trenches and, and this is how you repay me? Forget this, but not only does he keep plugging away and does he keep grinding in the midst of it, he's thankful. And that's what I want to make sure we see from the example that, that's set for us in 1 Thessalonians as Paul transitioned into this prayer. First, he shows us where to pray with thankfulness. And, and as we continue studying these verses in chapter 3 this morning, next I want us to see they prayed for the eternal. Number two, they prayed for the eternal. A lot of y'all may have heard this line before, but the only two things that last forever are the Word of God and the souls of men. And, and so what we're about to see this prayer is all about is investing the Word of God into the souls of men. If those are the only two things on the planet that are eternal, then that's what we should give all due diligence to, and our prayer life should reflect that as well. Here's how Paul, Silas, and Timothy prayed in 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So, so Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they're, they're filled with, with thankfulness as they pray. And in the midst of that thankfulness, they come before the Lord and there are two things in verse 10 that they come before the Lord and they ask for that we're going to look at. They, they were so passionate about these two things that they, they didn't just pray for them. They prayed for them exceedingly, verse 10 says, and so exceedingly that it was night and day. And the first thing was they wanted to see them. Letter A, they, they wanted to see them. Again, verse 10, it, it, it says, Night and day praying exceedingly, exceedingly that, that we might see your face. They wanted to see him. They wanted to see him so desperately. But like I mentioned earlier, Satan had hindered them from that happening. You see, Satan also understood the eternal nature of what was going on in Thessalonica. And that's why he's, that's why he's on the move. And so Satan's trying to counter what God's doing in the lives of the Thessalonians. And, and, and as Paul, Silas, and Timothy, as they're expressing this love and, and, and this care for the Thessalonians, I, I can't help but bring you back to the heart of this thing for Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They're, they're praying exceedingly, night and day, but what are they praying for? They're not, they're not praying about themselves. Their prayer is focused on others. 
And I can't help but bring this to light because all through the book of 1 Thessalonians, you just continuously see this love that these guys have developed for these people of Thessalonica. Paul, Silas, and Timothy just continuously expressing the love they had for these people all through these chapters in this book. And they're praying for them, not, not, to, not to check a box, but they're praying for them because of what was genuinely in their hearts for them. And you know what's interesting about prayer? What's interesting is, is that we can tell a whole lot about what's in our heart by what we pray for. How we pray tells us a whole lot. It's a really good litmus test. Who's the focus of our prayers? Who's the subject of our prayers? What is it that we keep finding ourselves praying about? Paul, Silas, and Timothy, man, their heart comes shining through when we see how they pray. You know, but my, my fear is, is that somehow we have elevated these dudes to such heights, to such a super Christian type of a category that we might miss out on what God is trying to teach us. These guys, we have to remember, they were fellow strugglers and human beings just like us. And I think maybe subconsciously even, we put these guys into some sort of super Christian category as some sort of defense mechanism. Because if this is unattainable for us in modern times, and if it's unrealistic to love people this way, and if it's unrealistic to be so focused on the eternal to the point that it's prioritized in our prayers, then we're kind of off the hook, aren't we? I might as well be reading out of a book, a comic book, out of some fictitious superhero like Superman, because when we're done reading something like that, we may think it's a, a cool story and it'll be left in awe and amazement. But at the end of the day, we can't fly, so we don't have to leave with a changed life. And I'm afraid maybe we view them as super Christians because of the reality that we know in our heart. And it's that we're so incredibly far away from having a heart for people and for ministry and for the eternal like Paul, Silas, and Timothy did. And that's reflected in the way that we pray. And so, again, it's almost like a defense mechanism, I think, that we put up or a coping mechanism. I can never be like that. They're a super Christian. They were they, listen, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were humans just like us. Paul, man, he certainly had some specific purposes from God in his life, no doubt. But he wasn't given any more of the Holy Spirit on the inside of him than we were. So, so this heart for people expressed in prayer that we see repeated in 1 Thessalonians, it isn't unattainable. It's expected and it's commanded. We've been called to the same thing, y'all. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they, they prayed exceedingly night and day for the eternal, and we learn a lot about them by seeing the focus and the subject of their prayers. Other people were the focus of their prayer. They wanted to see them, and, and seeing those other people, the Thessalonians, that was for a purpose, and that purpose was letter B because they wanted to perfect them. Letter B, they, they wanted to perfect them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 again, it says that they might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Okay, th this is the eternal nature of their prayers to see the Thessalonians and, and perfect that which is lacking in their faith. They weren't praying about themselves and their physical needs. Their prayer is about other people and their spiritual needs. It's about other people and their relationship with Jesus Christ. Now listen, let's think about this. The Thessalonians, they're already pretty far down the road spiritually. They haven't been saved long, but 1 Thessalonians teaches us that, that their lives were characterized by faith and charity. They, they, they're described as having a work of faith, a labor of love, a patience of hope. They, they were being used so much that, 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 the word of, that, that their word of faith had actually spread, a word of their faith had spread abroad, not just in Macedonia and Achaia, but in all the world, it says, in every place, it says. 
And so I, I want to ask you, if the ball was rolling so well in Thessalonica with the Thessalonians, I mean, again, they, they're des- the Thessalonians are described in a way that we could only hope and dream that we could be described as. So if the ball was rolling so well with the Thessalonians and there were other places on the planet that they could go and share the gospel, then why spend their time praying that they could go back to perfect the church of the Thessalonians since they were already so strong in their faith? If they're doing that good, then why not spread the wealth and focus your time and prayers and hurry up and get on and get to some other cities that desperately need it? And I think we find the answer when we understand what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You see what Paul, Silas, and Timothy were praying for and what this whole thing of discipleship is all about is committing the word of God to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And you know what Paul, Silas, and Timothy found with some of the Thessalonians? They found not just any men and women. They found faithful men and women. You you know what the problem is with committing the word to unfaithful people? Is that it stops right there with them. It doesn't go any further, right? They don't do anything with it. But you know what happens when you find people that are faithful like those that comprise the church of the Thessalonians? You commit the word to them and you pray for them and you keep perfecting them. Because if they've proven to be faithful, then you know you can trust them with more. And they'll not only apply what they're learning to their own lives, but they'll teach others also. That's why it makes sense to go back to Thessalonica and to keep praying for these people who are already on the right path spiritually. And that's what God's called us to do, too. When you find faithful men and women, you hang on to them, you keep pouring into them, and you pray that you can help perfect what's lacking in their faith. And if you've ever discipled or attempted to disciple someone, you know that there are some that are faithful, and you realize for some that at some point along the way, There are some that are not faithful. They may be saved, but they're not faithful. God wants us to make wise investments with who we pour into and continue to invest God's word into. And when we find those that are faithful, keep investing in them. Never stop praying for their eternal well-being. In the Thessalonian believers, they they were faithful. But what we consistently find, especially in the life of Paul, is is his prayer life. It's consistently about the spiritual. It's consistently about the eternal. And man, understanding that, that that should be convicting to us. Because it's been 168 hours since you guys were in this room last. And I want us to ask ourselves, how many of those hours were spent in prayer last week? I'll take it a step further. How many of those hours were spent in prayer about spiritual and eternal things last week? Listen, God loves us. He wants to hear from us. He wants to know all that's going on in our lives, the good and the bad, the health things, the financial. He wants to hear it all. Lord knows I've done that in my life, too, and there's nothing nothing wrong with that. But I also want to ask us, out of 168 hours last week, How many of those were spent in prayer concerning things that will outlive this present life? Would you like to know how many hours collectively we averaged on technology last week? Based on the statistics, the average person spent seven hours a day in front of a screen. Seven hours a day, look it up. Around three and a half hours per day watching TV. Two and a half hours per day on social media, and one hour per day playing video games. But we're so busy, we don't have time to talk to the creator of the universe that loves us so much that he came down from heaven and died for us and for some reason wants to communicate and fellowship with us. We're too busy for him. And we find seven hours a day to entertain ourselves on a stinking screen. 
But how much time do we talk to God and how much of that is talking to him about the spiritual and the eternal? Most of the stuff on the screen, y'all, it's not even real. <laughs> it's make-believe, right? It's, it's people pretending. Isn't that what acting is? It's just people pretending. We get all enamored with these people. Well, they, you pretend, you play make-believe good. Like, is that really something that should be so, such a sought-after gift? I don't know. I mean, that's what acting is. So we've, so we've got time to watch, we watch make-believe TV. We play make-believe video games. We keep up with people's make-believe lives that they portray on social media. And we listen to make-believe news. But the very real God of the universe wants to hear from us. And we don't have time. Some of you are thinking, well, man. I'm glad I'm not like them. I don't spend seven hours a day. I mean, I don't pray that much, but it's because I'm so busy, I can only spend five and a half hours a day on, on, on the screen. Listen, we're not busy, y'all. We just don't care about the things of God. How much we pray and what we pray about, it tells us a lot about where we're at spiritually. Paul, Silas, and Timothy's prayers are consistently about others and about ministering to them, about the eternal, investing the word of God into the souls of men. So we've seen they, they prayed with thankfulness. They, they prayed for the eternal. And then what I want us to see next about prayer from these verses in 1 Thessalonians is number three, they prayed in faith. They prayed in faith. And we see this in, in verse 11 of, of chapter 3. But, but, but as we read, let's start in verse 10 just to, to grab the context here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 Starting in verse 10, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. OK, so they're expressing their desire and they're praying they'll be able to see the Thessalonians and minister to them. And they're not sure exactly if and when that will be able to happen. So in verse 11, they say, now God himself and our father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And what they're saying here is, is they're saying we're praying in faith and we're leaving it to God to direct our way to you guys. We're dependent on God to direct our path. They were submitted to God's direction in the whole matter. God, we're praying in faith that, that you'll direct us and that they, when, when this thing all works out with the Thessalonians. And listen, that's a whole lot easier said than done. When you passionately want something to happen in your life, it isn't easy to pray in faith and depend on God. Because we want what we want, and we want it right now, don't we? It is the most natural and innate thing in all the world. There's no child on this planet that, that doesn't have to be taught that they don't get everything that they want and that there are things they can't have right now. And as you get older, you find out, wow, it's, this is still a challenge. This is, this is, it's, it's hard when you get old, too. And, and so in order to pray in, in faith and be dependent on God, like we see from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, what we learn from this verse is it's actually very important that we remember who God is as we pray. That's what Paul, Silas, and Dim Timothy did. Letter A, they remembered who God is. They remembered who God is because that's what they do. That, that's exactly what Paul, Silas, and Timothy do as they pray in faith and they express their dependence on God. They're praying in faith and expressing that de dependence. And as they're submitting to God's will, what do they do first? They remind us of who God is. And remembering who God is, that's going to help us to be able to pray in faith. And first of all, who he is is number one, he's our father. He's our father. That's what verse 11, that's what verse 11 says. Now, God himself and our father, he gets that in there, and our father direct our way unto you. Listen, as we pray in faith and depend on God's direction in our life and we're waiting on him and, and submit to him, even though by nature we want things our way and we want things right away, and, and we're catching ourselves feeling worried or anxious in the midst of that, remember the one that's in control is your father. And oh man, if your earthly father did it right, knowing that will mean so much to you as you pray. 
But, but even if he didn't, man, God wants to be to you a father, someone like your earthly father never was. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse 18, it says, and, and, and will be a, a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Oh my goodness, what an incredible thought that is. Can you believe that that's what's in God's heart for us? He wants to be a father. John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those of us that believe on his name, we're now sons and daughters of God. And he loves us, not like a God who's ready to, to flick us off the planet every time we do wrong, but a, as a loving father. Not, not, not a God whose favor you can never earn, but, but as a father who could never love you more than he does right now, no matter what you do or what you've done. We do what we do and we honor God with our lives because he loves us, not so he'll love us. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, it, it teaches us that. It, it, it says that, that your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. He already knows, and he knows because he's God, and he knows because he cares. And so Jesus says, now with that in mind, here's how you should pray. After this manner, therefore, pray, our father. Jesus says, before you, before you ask him anything, or what, whatever it is that, that, that you're asking for, understand he already knows what you need, and then approach him as your father. Man, it's a whole lot easier to be dependent on God's direction and pray in faith when you know that. Later in the same chapter of Matthew chapter 6, in, in verse 25, it, it says, Therefore I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat in the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Listen, he's your heavenly Father. And as your heavenly Father, he's even taken care of the stinking birds. And these birds, they don't save up foods, they don't put it in barns, they don't have savings accounts. They depend on God each and every morning. And he takes care of them. So don't you know how much more value you have than them? He's our, he's our father and we can depend on his direction and we can pray in faith. Because when you understand that and, and you understand the, the kind of father he is, you understand the love that the person has that is directing you. And then that changes everything. God's wanting to remind us of that so that we pray in faith. My my dad, my dad went home to be with the Lord uh, February of 2021. So not quite, uh, not quite two years. As most of you get, you guys know he he was a, he was a pastor. And man, if you ever heard him, man, could he preach? And I'm biased. To me, he's the best that ever did it. But but he 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 was he was able to he he heard me preach two times while while he was alive because he was either not living in Georgia, or he was in Georgia and preaching at the same time that, that I was preaching. But people used to always ask me, ooh, did that really make you nervous when your dad was there listening to you, listening to you preach? And interestingly enough, it, it didn't make me more nervous, actually. In, in, in fact, it, it did the opposite. I felt strength and I felt excitement. And the reason is because of the father that he was to me. Because I knew when he was there, I had someone there that was rooting for me like you wouldn't believe. That loved me unconditionally, whether it went good or bad. Someone that would do anything for me and that wanted what was best for me. Someone that didn't want me to fall, but if I did, would be the first one to pick me up. And someone that had my back, no matter what. And I'm telling you that because that's how God is with you. My earthly father was just picturing our heavenly father. Our heavenly father is all of those things and so much more. And that's who it is that God's wanting to remind us in these verses. 
That's who it is that we're trusting to direct our way as we pray. Not some God in the sky that doesn't give a rip about us, measly old humans. No, it's it's our Father who's doing all that. Our Father's the one we're praying to, depending on, to direct our way. And knowing that, we can pray in faith no matter what our circumstances. So we need to remember who it is that we're praying to and depending on for direction in our lives. And we see that, that he's our father. And then next we see, number two, that he's our savior. Number two, he's, he's our savior. This is exactly what he reminds us of in this verse, in, 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 in verse 11 of chapter 3. He says, God himself and our father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. He could have easily said, now, hey, God, God direct our way unto you. And we would have gotten the idea, wouldn't have we? We would have gotten that. Okay, yeah. He's trusting God. But that's not what he does. The first he mentions, the he first he words the verse in such a way that we're reminded that the one we're praying to is our Father. And then we're reminded that the one we're praying to is our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And he's the one that we're praying to and depending on for direction in our lives. And in case we've forgotten, he's the one that loved us so much that he died for us. Paul Paul writes to Titus in Titus chapter 3 in verse 3 and he describes his life before Christ, which sounds a whole lot like a, a lot of our lives before Christ. And then he describes the savior's intervention. And here's what he says in chapter 3 starting in verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Yeah, that that describes many of us as well. But will you listen to what happens next? Verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He's the one that, according to verse four, that came to us with kindness and love. And even though we weren't righteous, God showed us mercy and he poured it out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, verse 6 says. And he's the one that just like Paul, Silas, and Timothy did in 1 Thessalonians 3, he's the one we can depend on in the midst of anything. And the one we can depend on for direction and the one that we can pray to in faith. I I think sometimes we get tossed around with with a lack of faith in and worry, and it's because we've forgotten who God is. He's our Savior. Verse 7 of Titus 3, that's still on the screen, it says that because of God's grace, we've been made heirs now of eternal life. Listen, we've entrusted our very soul and our eternal destiny to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We've trusted that to him, and we believe that as believers in Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we will spend eternity with God in heaven, but we don't pray in faith and trust him to direct us while on earth. We've trusted him with our eternity, but we have the hardest time trusting him with our day-to-day. We have to remember who it is that we're praying to and depending on for direction. He's our Father, and he's our Savior. And and as we're depending on God for direction in our lives, like Paul, Silas, and Timothy were, and and we're praying in faith to him, remembering who God is, we also need to remember how God works. Letter B, how God works. They remembered how God works. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 11. It references God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is direct our way unto you as they prayed in faith listen they remembered that how God works is he wants to direct us he's involved in our lives y'all he won't speak to us audibly but he directs our way but what he requires from us in the midst of that is exactly what we can see that Paul Silas and Timothy were giving him which is their trust 
Number one, we're, we're, to, we're to trust him. This is how God works. He wants to direct our way. He wants us to trust him, though. Number one, we're to trust him. He wants us to have faith. He wants us to pray in faith. That's obviously what this whole third point in your study sheet has, has been all about. But here's the distinction that I, I want you guys to see. It's one thing to pray in faith, believing God can. It's another thing to trust him even when he doesn't. That's what true faith and trust looks like. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they were, they were relying on and praying in faith and trusting that God would direct their way back to the Thessalonians. And they trusted him for his timing on that thing, though. They trusted him whether or not they were even able going to be able to get back to the Thessalonians. Here, here's how Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6 describes God's direction in our life. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It's on my wall. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You see, God's desire for us is to trust him. The way God works is he directs our paths while we trust him. He wants us to believe and pray in faith, trusting him. But verse 5 tells us exactly what we're so inclined to do and maybe most often do instead. Do you, do you see what it is? God tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but that's exactly what we tend to do as opposed to trusting God when we pray, don't we? It, go, it, go, it goes something like this. There's something that you, you, you really want to happen in your life, right? Or there's something that you really want to not to happen in, in your life. And your mind starts going, well, man, if, if this happens, then, then that might happen. And if that happens, there's a high percentage chance that the other thing will happen, and that won't be good. But maybe if this, that, and the other thing happens, then what I want to happen or not happen will or won't happen. Does that, does, that sound about, does that sound about how the wheels turn for you sometimes? I, I, I only know because I've done it before. It, God's trying to show us this morning he'll direct our path, but as we're praying about whatever it is, he wants us to trust him. He's wanting us to quit playing out all the scenarios in our minds and remember who God is and pray in faith. And he's wanting us to rest in our Father and our Savior who loves us, who wants what's best for us, and is even directing our way, and he's directing our path, even when that path wouldn't be our first choice. He wants us dependent upon him and to have confidence and faith in him as we pray. But we want to put confidence in the flesh so often. It, Philippians 3.3, it teaches us that we're to have no confidence in the flesh. But that's what we're doing when we lean on our own understanding. We're putting confidence in the flesh, trying to figure this thing out instead of walking in faith. James 4.13 describes it like this. It's J James 4.13 says, Go to now. Ye say that today or tomorrow we're going to such a city and we'll continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. In other words, we're going to go to this place. It, we're going to stay this long. We're going to make us some money, but there's something you should consider before you make your big plans. Verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Listen, instead of putting our trust and faith and dependence on God as we make our petitions known unto him, we have this propensity to lean on our own understanding. And God's saying not only is that sinful, it's illogical. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Our lives are a vapor. Tomorrow isn't promised. And yet here we are trying to figure it out like we have control anyway. So it's sinful and illogical to lean on our own understanding. But, but here's one of the reasons I think it's so hard for us to trust him 
to direct our path and our ways. Please listen. It's so hard for us to trust God to direct our paths because when we pray, we don't really want him to direct us. We want to direct him. We're praying because we want him to do what we want him to do. And we come before him and we beg him to do what we want him to do. But he's wanting us to let go and trust in faith. And as we pray and make those petitions known, trust him to direct our way and lead our path. So, so as we pray, God wants us to trust and have faith in our Father and Savior to direct our paths, even when it's not what he wants. And then he also wants us to acknowledge him, number two. We're to acknowledge him again this is our, our cross-reference in proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6 again it says in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths listen y'all this is a conditional statement do you realize that you acknowledge me in all your ways and i'll direct your paths that's how God works. And that's exactly what Paul, Silas, and Timothy did. They, they came before God in prayer, and they acknowledged him. We saw, we saw er, earlier in 1 Thessalonians 3.10, they prayed night and day that they'd be able to get back and see the Thessalonians. But they trusted God in the midst of that. Listen, David understood what, what God wants as he directs us as well. They, David acknowledges God in prayer in Psalm 27.11. As he's seeking his direction, he acknowledges him. He says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. In other words, he's saying, God, I'm, I'm acknowledging you, and I'm coming before you, and I'm asking you to teach me your way. I'm asking you to lead me, direct my path, lead me in a plain path, lead me in a straight path, lead me in the righteous path. And listen, that, that's great that we acknowledge God in prayer. That is part of acknowledging him, is acknowledging him in prayer. But, but he doesn't want us to just acknowledge him with our lips. He wants us to acknowledge him with our lives. And he will direct our paths. In all our ways, acknowledge him, what we say and what we do. And then he'll direct our paths. So it, so it certainly includes acknowledging him with our mouths when we pray, but how are we doing with acknowledging him with our lives? How's that going? Proverbs chapter 37 and verse 23, it teaches us that the, the steps or the, the, the paths, excuse me, it's Psalm 37, 25, the steps or the, or the path or the way of a good man are ordered or directed by the Lord and he delighteth. In his way, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young and, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. You see, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord because a good man acknowledges God with his lips and with his life. And we can be certain that our Father and Savior will direct our paths just like Paul, Silas, and Timothy trusted that he would when we trust him and we acknowledge him with our mouths and our lives. You, you see, it's hard to have certainty in the path we're on when those things aren't characteristic of our lives because listen though if we're saved God will never leave us nor forsake us but he might have to discipline us and redirect us we might have to go on a detour that's outside of the perfect plan that God has for our lives but if our lips and our lives are acknowledging him then we're right in the center of God's will and God's directing our paths, and we can have certainty that everything that happens in our lives is a part of God's perfect plan for our life. That's something we can have faith in. This passage in Psalm 37, it continues to teach us God's ordering the steps of a good man. He's ordering the steps of a guy that acknowledges God with their life. David says he, he, the Lord is holding him up with his hand. Let me ask you. Are you acknowledging God with your life this morning? 
Do you want him to direct your path without acknowledging him with your life? And and listen, there's nothing that that happens on this planet that God doesn't either appoint or allow. So if you don't acknowledge him, again, it's not as if he won't direct you at all. Again, it's that you'll be outside of the will of God and you'll be outside of that perfect plan for your life. So God may have to direct you through a few pit stops along the way to learn some lessons along the way. So what God is saying to us is, is that trusting him and having faith in him while acknowledging him with our lips and our lives, we can rest assured we're in the center of God's will and that he's directing our paths. So no matter what happens in our lives, God's working it together for our good and for his glory. So when good comes, man, praise the Lord. He's blessing us and directing us. When bad comes, praise the Lord. He's teaching us. He's growing us. And he's directing us. But we can rest and trust in him and have certainty that he's directing our way and he's directing our path. We can pray in faith. We don't have to have worry and we don't have to have any doubt. And when we recognize that, that God is our father and he, he wants to relate to us like a father and that he's also our savior and that, that he's proven his love for us on the cross, then listen, what we can do, we can just let go of all this stuff. It's going on in our life that's weighing us down. We can trust in him while we acknowledge him with our lips and our lives, and he'll direct us. Now, now listen, we've been, we've been talking about this thing of prayer this morning, and, and we've seen from Paul, Silas, and Timothy's example in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 that we're to pray with thankfulness, right? That's your point one. We're to pray with for the eternal, that was your second point, and we're to pray in faith, number three. But, but check this out. Have you ever noticed the correlation in Matthew chapter 6 to this? Matthew 6, it teaches us about what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. We were in this passage earlier, and what the Lord's Prayer really is, is the Lord is teaching us how to pray. It's not a prayer he would necessarily pray. He's teaching us how how to pray. It's not a prayer that we've been called to repeat word for word. It's, a, it's how we ought to pray. That's why in, in verse 9 of Matthew 6, Jesus says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Okay, so Jesus is, is about to lay out the manner in which we should pray. Here's what our prayer should look like. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And would you look at how that correlates to the passage we've been studying from in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 this morning? After addressing our heavenly Father, he shows us that we should go straight into worship, just like we've seen Paul, Silas, and Timothy do as they begin with thankfulness. You say, well, Matthew talks about worship and 1 Thessalonians talks about thankfulness. So how does, how does that line up? Do you realize that thankfulness is worship? You realize that? This isn't on the screen. Just listen. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, it tells us what the sacrifice of praise is. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Do you see that? The fruit of our lips giving thanks is a sacrifice of praise. Giving God thanks with our lips is considered praise and worship to God. So just like Jesus lays out for us in the the famous Lord's Prayer, they started with worship in the form of thankfulness. And then next in verse 10 of Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us to pray for the kingdom to come. Do you see that? He prays for the kingdom to come. Now, does anybody here think that the kingdom's going to come any faster if you pray for it or whether you don't? I think God's got that date on his calendar. I think it's more than penciled in. I think, he, I think he's got, I think he used a Sharpie on that one. He's, he, but, but, but you know what you're doing when you're praying for the kingdom to come? where Jesus finally gets the glory due to you know what you're doing? You're praying for the eternal. And that's exactly the pattern we've seen from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. 
this morning. After they expressed thanks, they prayed for the eternal like we've seen. And then the rest of verse 10 of Matthew chapter 6 says, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Just like we saw in 1 Thessalonians 3. Do you know what you're doing if you're praying for God's will to be done on earth? You're praying in faith. And that's exactly what Paul, Silas, and Timothy did, man. They trusted God to direct their path. They prayed in faith. And then after we've done that, according to Matthew 6, we begin to make our petitions known unto God. Jesus lays out for us the exact same manner of prayer as we've been seeing from 1 Thessalonians 3. So let me ask you all this morning, how's your prayer life? What if when we prayed, instead of starting with all the things that we want God to do for us, what if we started with worship and thanksgiving? What if after that, what if our prayers were like Paul, Silas, and Timothy's and were for people and for ministry? What if, I, what if we were way more concerned about the eternal than we were the temporal? What if that was our heart and we expressed that before God as we prayed? Because I, I know we can relate to this, this struggle to trust God when it comes to things like, like money and kids and health and jobs. But have you ever been so passionate about people and investing and establishing and reaching people that you just had to come before God and trust and acknowledge him lest you worry yourself sick? What if we acknowledge God with our lips and our lives and we prayed to him in faith and we trusted him no matter what? As we pray, will you do some business with God this morning? Will you, will you, will you, will you evaluate where your heart's at by where your prayer life is at this morning? Will you do some business with God this morning and evaluate if you trust him and if you acknowledge him to direct your paths? Let's pray. Jesus we love you, God. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these folks who have come out this morning, God. I pray that you would be ministering to their hearts even right now. And I pray, God, if there are things that need to be dealt with in this room, that it would be dealt with before we leave. We wouldn't go on our way and get distracted with all of the junk that tends to distract us, God, but that we would do some business with whatever that is that you've revealed to us this morning, God. We, we thank you that you want to hear from us. What, a, what, an incredible, what an incredible thing, God. You actually want to hear from us, God. But there's a, there's a manner in which you've laid this thing out for us. I pray, God, that we would, that we would pray in, in that fashion. And we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You would just take a minute and maybe bow your head. Some people are came to the altar and, and doing what they need to do but and this idea of prayer has been a constant around here for I don't know a, a long last couple of years really about changing how we prayed about changing what we prayed about and you know I guess one of the biggest things for me is that last point concerning our church is that our prayers will be grounded in faith based on who God is and how he works. Man, I, I've heard it I've heard it for years. You, well, you just can't ever tell how God works. Well, here's what we do know. God's given us 66 books. And God's told us how he works and God's told us who he is. And that excuse won't hold water at the judgment seat. That excuse, well, God, I didn't know. That, that, that don't work. It's never going to work. It's never going to shake out. How could you know the infinite God of the universe? Well, he, he spent a whole lot of time speaking through men and allowing those men to preserve it perfectly in a book for you and me to have. And he spent all that time to do that. And he, 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 he gave men the ability to give us this book and the the biggest slap in the face to God is that we would pray amiss knowing that 
that God's given us this book and how to pray. We spend all our time praying about stuff that don't even matter. We've spent our time about, I mean, God help us, and I, I love you, but we spend more time praying for people's sick dogs and our own sick animals than, than we do praying for eternal things. We we gotta break that. Man, maybe maybe you want to maybe you just want to take a minute. And I will, I'd like to pray for you. I don't know if Justin's already prayed, but I'd like to pray for you. Maybe you want to you want to come to the altar. You can do that. But I'd just like to I'd like to pray for you too. And I'd like to ask you what man what if you had to make a list out things that God counted of the things you prayed about this last week that God held near and dear as he said he would in, in this book what would they would they amount to anything Father we we come understand um, God we know who you are because you've given us this book Lord, we know how you work because you've given us this book. Man, it, Lord, I know. I've heard it. Man, you just can't tell how God's going to work. And Lord, I, I know. Here's what, here's what I do know. Uh, Lord, if, if you want our paths directed by you, then, then you have to give us a way to know what path we're supposed to take. Lord, it would be foolish of us to say all of this stuff and say, you know, and, and leave it in some mysterious backdrop that, you know, only the elite of the Christian organization get to see their past directed. God, what a farce that is. What a, what, a, what a waste of time for humanity to have to go through and be scrutinized under some preacher that took the Word of God out of context and and put a whole bunch of elite Christians in this group that only got to see God direct their paths, and the rest of them don't because it's too mysterious. God, I want to say thank you, Lord, for making it very plain. Lord, as you did in the Old Testament, you wrote it so that, so that we could read it and we could run with it. And so, God, I just want to say thank you that even, Lord, Lord you chose the foolish things to confound the wise. Uh, Lord, you, you, you chose the abased things over the mighty. And, and Lord, I just want to say for, for a dude that, that you know, that I, I consider myself, you know, a, a fool for Jesus Christ. Simple at best. Simple on, on the most simple levels. God, I just want to say thank you that, that you've given me the ability to believe that this book will guide me into all truth and the spirit of God coupled with this book opens my eyes to that truth and so Lord thank you Lord I pray that we get serious about way, the way we pray about and about what we pray for God we pray for things that don't even matter and God I, I thank you for sending your man to do what he did this morning uh, to, to, to preach the word of God as it is in truth and Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your people. God, may we get thankful. God, may we get to the place to where we can we can find some real life gratitude in everything that's going on in life. Lord, I I, I, I pray that you bless the rest of this day, and, and God, that you're honored by it. Lord, I I love you, and I thank you for your man. I thank you for what you're doing in him, and you let him preach his word in Jesus name amen amen all right well I hope you've done what you needed to do this morning and uh, man if you would just uh, make sure you find Justin after service and and uh, tell him how much you appreciate him being here with us and, and taking out of his time to be here man awesome deal um, you know this 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 way of of, uh, of praying actually changed my life. I, I used to have a list, like a mile long, of really individualized 
things. And, and look, I'm not knocking you if you do that, but mine got way shorter uh, when I realized that there was a pattern of praying um, throughout the New Testament in the life of the Apostle Paul that, that actually focused on God getting glory out of my life. And even out of my all of my bad stuff, all the really bad stuff that happened, that I could pray and be thankful in all the bad stuff. And, and so I want to say, man, praise the Lord for that. Amen? Uh, it really takes all the pressure off of you. It really does. Like, you you know, it takes all the pressure off of you, and you like you put it all on God where it's supposed to be. You know, all right, Lord. All right, only, my only job is to be really thankful and uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm seeking after eternal things. And um, so it makes it a whole lot easier. Like, you, there's not near as much, you're not agonizing over, you know, the, just the small stuff. Like, you know, like even in day, I prayed with a dude last night, and I prayed. It dude's, dude's uh, I mean, God love him. He, he's 87 years old, um, and he's on his, he, he just went home to be with the Lord this morning about 7 o'clock. And um, you just knew it was close. And, um, you know, I prayed, Lord, I don't, I don't know. You got a funeral coming up, Lord. That's my prayer. You, you got a funeral coming up. I, I'm praying that in death, this man's life counts for something big. Amen. So I was told <laughs> he's crossing either way it goes. Now what's left is what, what we got to deal with, right? And so, you know, it just makes it easier, uh, you know, and, and, and thank God he made it easy for people like me and, and you, whether you believe it or not. So. All right, well, amen. That's all we're doing? No, uh, no, no. Go we're going to go eat now? You can have a seat just for a second. Let's just go eat. No, no. I, asked, I, I am asked, so glad that we have another pastor here this year that has to endure all of this. I, I asked him, I was like, I told him, I said, hey, I said, we got a couple things we're going to do. I said, I just need to know when you want it. And he said, I thought, he said, I thought we weren't doing that this year. I said, you, you know we're doing something. Like, 